Kia ora and welcome to the next episode of Power Up, a podcast powered by Venture Taranaki and produced by Raw Collective. Here we celebrate the region's entrepreneurs with their trailblazing spirit and their can-do attitude. Taranaki innovators are leaving their mark on the world, but living the famous Taranaki lifestyle. I'm your host, David Downs. Taranaki is a region where the unique natural and business environments collide to create a place where people can flourish and achieve their full potential. No mai, haere mai, we welcome you to hear our enterprising future like no other. Today's guests are the co-founders of award-winning distillery Juno Gin, Dave and Joe James. Dave and Joe launched Juno Gin in 2017. They'd recently left their corporate jobs in Australia in search of something new, knowing only that they wanted to return home to New Plymouth after more than 20 years across the ditch. They knew nothing about making gin when they began, only that Joe liked to drink it. Now they source botanicals from all over the country and make premium quality gin from a state-of-the-art, unique copper still that was made locally. In 2019, Juno won a gold medal at the New Zealand Spirit Awards. They're a warm, engaging and enlightening couple who've been on a whirlwind of a journey since starting out in the gin business with next to no knowledge of how to actually distill it. It's amazing to think of everything they've accomplished in just three years, and they see huge opportunity for the New Zealand spirits industry to be well regarded like our wine and our beer. Dave and Joe talk about the unique challenges they face and the incredible knowledge and expertise within Taranaki that's helped them overcome those challenges and how they've united providers and distillers all over the country to change the face of their industry. Well, kia ora and welcome. Where did you come from this morning? (laughs) (laughs) We've just come from a meeting with Strategy Collective. Uh So um, when we set up our business... Dave and I recognised that we didn't have wonderful skills in marketing or brand build. Yeah. So we have liaised with Strategy Collective to provide that. Oh, okay. So they, they partner with you and help on that sort of thing. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Yeah. But anyway, backing up, welcome Dave and Joe James from Juno Gin, among other things. But I understand you both grew up, you were born and grew up in Taranaki. That's right, born and bred in here in New Plymouth, um, Mongaree Road. Oh, my mother-in-law used to live in Mongaree Road. Ah. 387 from memory. Yeah, we were 191. Oh, there we go. Well, he was 191, I was 43. Oh, oh you were both at Mongaree Road. I know, that's just dubious, And you both went it? to school together, didn't you? We did, yeah, yeah. You went to kindy together, I hear. We did, Lismore Street Kindergarten, yeah. Gosh. And then Maryland's Primary School. Highlands Intermediate. Wow. So when did you know she was the one? Was it just sort of before lunch break or morning tea? <laughs> well, Joe sort of hung around my sister because they were the same age. Ah. So birthday parties and things like that. Okay. Not that I spotted her at a young age. No, no, good. We don't want any sort of weirdness going on here. No. But it, is, it just talks to your laziness, basically. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe your eye for a fine uh, opportunity. She was just part of the crowd. Oh, isn't that neat? What a lovely thing to hit. So you've been together for many, many years. You know each other extremely well. I really met Dave on my 16th birthday. Oh, okay. We were friends for a number of years. So he was away at university, he'd come home, we'd go out to a movie or head down the beach for a chat. Mm. And then after a couple of years, it was like, actually, are we dating? Pop- I think we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's lovely. Did you even go to the surf club at Back Beach? No, Fitzroy Beach. Fitzroy Beach, sorry. Yeah, East End. Wow, oh, really? Yeah. That's apparently that's where all the cool kids hung out in the late 80s. No, I have no idea. Oh, oh. <laughs> all, okay. the, all the wicked ones were down Back Beach and all the respectable oh, right. ones okay. down the East oh, End. I must check in where my wife was in the late 80s. Okay. <laughs> but tell us, so you went to university and obviously you, you, I think you studied science. Is that right, Dave? Yeah, food technology, um, right. majored in engineering, yeah. Oh, okay. And you followed along to university a year or two later? 
Yes, I did. I've been working in public health, actually in a pathology laboratory, and realised that I thought microbiology was the bee's knees. Yeah. So headed to Massey and did a double major in microbiology and genetics. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, so you're like CSI. <laughs> Gosh, it could be cool. And and did you end up getting into careers and those sorts of No, we took off overseas. We were lucky to get a free education from the um, the government at the time. Yeah. So as all, well, as a large number of people that got free education, we took off overseas for the OE. Right. And lived overseas for almost 10 years. I think the point of the free education was that you're going to stay in New Zealand and pay some tax, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing that now, doing so that we'll, now, well, yeah. you can have it. But eventually you decided time to move back to New Zealand. We were 18 years in going, hey, we still want to come back to New Plymouth. Yeah. It's a fabulous place. Yeah. So you actually you chose to come back to back to New Plymouth rather than deliberately Auckland or Christchurch or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. What was it about New Plymouth that attracted you to come back? Uh, the food, the coffee. Oh, the same stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the exactly. And the walkway. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, wow, what an amazing public health initiative if you want to view it that way. Yeah. Or just a social space or fabulous use of landscape. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful city. It's unique in the world. Yeah, I think so too. I think if you've been away from New Plymouth for a while and you've got your sort of 1970s and 80s view of it and you come back, you realise, wow, it's full of amazing little restaurants and cafes and Mm. cool people and interesting things to do. It's got a lot going on here. Yeah, it does, definitely. Just around the corner too. Um, (laughs) Excellent. And when you came back, did you have something to do or did you just think we'll move move back and work it out when we get there? Well, when we were in Australia, we were in Melbourne, we were sitting there going, hey, we want to come back. Yeah. So what will we do? So we went through a whole range of scenarios. Yeah. I think Dave proposed ballroom dancing and... You're never and, too old to learn a new skill. <laughs> <laughs> and I had that typical big city, you know, escapist fantasy of chickens or goats or something. And oh, it's the like, good life. Yeah, yeah we got serious like, about goats. We actually did quite a lot of analysis and went out to a goat farm and talked to goat farmers and all sorts of stuff. Wow. Yeah, but ultimately eschewed the goats. Yeah. <laughs> practical reality and also going, if we're going to start a business... What do we genuinely know and love? Right. And for That's me, a good place to start. absolutely a love of gin. I've always thought that it's a top class spirit and, yeah. and particularly interesting. Mm. And, today- and we could see the, um, the rise of gin consumption in the UK. And at that stage, it was just starting in Australia as well. Yeah. So there was an opportunity to come to New Zealand. What year was this roughly? Uh, 2015. 2015. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's interesting because it was this renaissance in gin. Gin was a very, you know, but sorry, don't be rude, but kind of a, the old lady drink, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, when I looked at um, some of the research around gin, it was the words that were describing it yeah. were sophistication, older. Yes. Yeah. So And you thought, no, we can, we we can, can rethink that. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Where did you come up with the idea? I mean, you've liking gin is one thing. Having a business to create gin is a significantly bigger challenge. Oh, yes. Yeah. What made you think you could do that? Well, actually, the New Zealand government. Oh. So um, there's a website, business.gov.nz. Yeah. Fabulous for going, so you have this great idea. Is it actually a business idea? So instead of having that wibbly-wobbly thinking about, you know, this is what I'd like to do, it actually makes you sit down and write down what are you going to do, why is it different to what's already around, yeah. how are you going to make money from that, and actually steps you through business plan, strategy plan, all of the tools that you're going to need, even basic things like 
What's your business going to be called? Yeah. Are there domain names that you can use or have they already been nice. taken? So mm. Walks you through the practicalities. It has cash flow forecasting and all that sort of stuff as well. So. Fantastic. Yeah. So you punched all that in and at the end of it it said gin, yes, tick. It <laughs> works. It didn't say gin, yes, but it said, hey, this might work. And it even has links to if you're going to be doing research, you know, how much grant money is available in the area where you're wanting to set up your business. Oh. Mm. Sounds great. We diligently wrote that. A bit strange, I suppose. And then we came here and uh, went straight to VT. In fact, we didn't go straight to VT. We needed somewhere to live. Right. So we were hunting around trying to find a place, a flat, because uh, at that stage we were living on my mother's floor in Molly Ryan. Right. How, how old are you, by the way? You're not 20 anymore, you two. By the- no. <laughs> no, don't want to be rude, but yes, that's it. We're in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're Born in the 60s. Living on your mum's lounge floor. That's- I know, in yeah, a retirement yeah. village. It was really funny. <laughs> Making gin. Oh, <laughs> oh you're living the dream. Oh, yeah, gosh. Went. It was so sweet. You know, 5 p.m. I'd rock around and these little oldies had come up with their glasses going, what have we made today? Oh. <laughs> we had a little still, a willy, a little one-litre still, and we were making gin. We're trying to make gin. In the old Testing flavours, yeah. Well, the retirement village, beg your pardon. <laughs> yes. Rest Jeepers. No, that you would have, did you end up with a net surplus rather than having to pay any money? I'd imagine <laughs> it would have been quite popular. But anyway, then you come to VT and say, can you give us a bit of a hand? Well, we were, we were looking for a flat and uh, one of the guys we talked to said, oh, you should go to VT. Yeah. We'd never heard of them at that stage. Vichy Taranaki, just Vichy in case Taranaki, yeah. confused out there. Yep. So we thought, oh, wow, this is interesting. So we showed up with our business plan and got introduced to a business manager. Right. And they reviewed it and sort of went, wow. First of all, they went, wow, you got a business plan. <laughs> it's a little bit unusual. Yeah, yeah. You're not just a crazy idea. You've actually put some thought into this. That's yeah. fantastic. And then going through that, we'd done our SWOT analysis. So we'd identified areas where we needed additional support. Yeah. And there's a capability voucher scheme yeah. that Venture Taranaki supports businesses to fill in the gaps, if you like. So mm-hmm. that was such a great opportunity for us to go, well, you know, we've got a gap here in brand build and marketing, so capability voucher working with a provider in Taranaki, which fitted really closely with our values, So, which I'm actually going to step us back and go, yeah, please. even before we had a business, we went, well, what's our business structure going to look like? Will one of us be the boss and the other one the, the Recipe for disaster, yeah. <laughs> or how do we work together as a married couple to A, stay married and B, build a business together? So a little bit of research about how couples do that transition from individual jobs and individual lives to actually working together in a business. And one of the key things that came out from that is respecting each other's strengths. Right. So going, if someone has expertise in engineering and finance, then let them run with that ball and they might make mistakes, but hey, we all do. So just respect that. And ditto with flavour and lots of wordiness, which is probably me. Wow. And then also going, well, there's going to be moments when we disagree. So how are we going to solve that? We can't sulk or do power plays or, you know, any of those other ridiculous things that some married couples might do. Uh, Other married couples. couples. Yep, that was a lie. (laughs) So we actually did some company values. We should have personal values because having been married for 30 odd years, we'd never actually sat down and thought about what's important to us and to each other. Yeah. So, yeah, we we came up with three, which are pretty simple. Make it fun, make it together and make it right. Oh, that's fantastic. And whenever we have a disagreement, it's like back to the values. Back to the values. Mm. 
And do you have sort of times in your life where you have to go, right, now, okay, this is a shareholder meeting or this is a director meeting or, or no, this is just us having dinner at home? You know, how do you differentiate the different parts of your relationship? I don't think we can because right. it is what it is. We are what we are creating right now. We're going through an interesting situation right now because we, we're looking to employ our first staff member. Oh. Our first full-time. Full-time. Is it your mum? <laughs> no, no, just no, we have very much been relying on family. So yeah. my sister and her husband live here. Yeah, My brother lives here as well with his girlfriend. And our daughter's moved across with her boyfriend. Right. So we've been tapping into the family. But now it's time for a real grown-up yeah. like professional yeah. staff member. We're the opposite to family hold back. It's family pitch in. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. But, yeah, now it's time to really reflect that. So we do actually employ our daughter part-time as a distillery elf, mm-hmm. but now we need... Distillery elf. Is that distillery her job description? Yeah. It is. Did she write that on her little um, custom yeah, certificate? Yeah. She sure did. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's time to, you know, commit that next step and go having a full-time employee, and the responsibility is huge. I mean, this person's going to base lots of their life decisions on the employment package that we offer them. They're going to expect to be paid. They're going to buy a house. They might have children. They might own a car. They expect to learn things. You're responsible for all of that now. I know. It's like being a parent all over again, but bigger. (laughs) I find it quite amazing having sampled your amazing gin, by the way, Juno Gin, available in all good uh, retail (laughs) outlets. But I find it amazing that you haven't had employees up until now because in my mind you were already a big business. I didn't realise that you were able to do what you do with just the two of you. Family helps. Yeah. Yeah. And your comment's interesting because we do get people coming to the distillery and they go, oh, you're not this massive place that we thought you might be. And I was like, no, on a small footprint and a clever still, which was designed and built by Rivet here in New Plymouth, we can do an amazing thing. Mm. My background's factories and operations management um, through the dairy industry. So we took a whole lot of that and implanted it into the distillery when we built it. Right, and let, set it up so that just the two of you can operate. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's really fascinating, you know, you do your bench top trials, you know, with that little wee still, and then you go, okay, so the practical reality is the still that we're going to have built is 400 litres. How am I going to move that volume of liquid? So I can't just pick it up and tip it. So, well, 400 litres weighs 400 kilograms, roughly, yeah, doesn't it? So, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's a pretty big amount of So that with. transition from bench to the actual reality of I'm a human being and I need to work safely, yeah. how are we going to do that? Hmm. That's interesting. That's the scaling factor that you start to hit. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that still because it's a little bit famous, isn't it? It's a bit one of a kind. It is one of a kind, Leela. Like the Eric Clapton song. Um, That's Leela. Leela, Leela. No, oh. after the Futurama. Oh, yes, yes. But Leela creates all the spirits that you sell. All of Absolutely. the large volume spirit share. So she can do about 250 bottles of the 700 mils in a yep. batch wow. or about 1,000 of the 200 mils. And how long does a batch take to make? Generally about 12 to 14 hours. Okay. It um, depends a lot on the atmospheric conditions at the time. Golly. Yeah. Is it really? It's yeah. not just mm. like you stick it all in a big thing and press a button and then out comes gin. Well, you can do that. Uh, <laughs> Successfully, no, but well. it's not going to be a premium gin, right. so no. Consistent, it won't necessarily be consistent. Because the idea of gin is that you're taking ethanol or some other alcohol and then yep. you're passing it through a whole lot of flavouring ingredients. Botanicals, the they call them. Botanicals, yep, plant okay. material. And then out the back of it comes some nice tasting yep. Absolutely. alcohol. So it's like making a cup of tea, but you're doing it with alcohol. And but with the vapour 
and yeah. with oh vapor, yeah, oh. and with the alcohol. So, um, oh, this is Dave's area expertise. No, no. Oh, nice! I love how you're living your values right in front of us right now. <laughs> Dave, over to you. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> You put me on a spot there. Okay. <laughs> so if we think about distillation, originally it was about how to separate alcohol and water from their mixture, if oh. you like. So it's using that art where you're looking at different boiling points of alcohol and water. So alcohol boils at about 78 degrees, right. depending on atmospheric pressure, which is why the kind of day makes a difference to the kind of gin. So it's quite a muggy day today here in New Plymouth. So it's, it's a kind terrible, of day, terrible for day for gin. gin. You need a big cooler day, do you? I uh, know, lower barometric pressure. Mm. It's about a 1,000 millibars right now. So right. It's... Yeah, it feels like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> yeah. So you wait, you get the barometric pressure about right, you get the temperature to about the right level, and the alcohol will... The alcohol will comes off. Steam off. Yep, steams yep. off. Before the, the water Before does. the water does. Yeah. So you do find as the distillation progresses, the ratio of alcohol and water in the base mix that you're heating up, the alcohol reduces, so there's more water. Yeah. So you've got to put more heat into it to drive the alcohol off. Right. And by putting more heat into it, you drive more water off as well. So, so there's a point where it doesn't work anymore. Um, you yeah. got it. Yeah. Ah. So it gets watery and horrible and then it becomes that gin that you buy from the duty-free shops. And it starts to pick <laughs> up flavours from the botanical material that are no longer gin. Ah. So because alcohol is a solvent and it extracts flavour, water is also a solvent and it extracts flavour as well. If you're just wanting to extract the water-soluble flavour, then you'd end up with, well, Vegetable stock. Ugh. Something along those lines. So the botanicals, tell us about the botanicals, because that's the secret that's ingredient, the, really, isn't it? absolutely key. Oh, yeah. Gin, the definition of gin is that, well, at least in the, under the EU regulations, 50% of the botanical material must be juniper cones. Right. And I'm saying cones because they're people call them berries, but they're actually the cone of a conifer tree. Oh, okay. Not a cone like a... Okay, yeah. that cone. Okay, no, I don't know no. what you're talking okay, about. Okay, good. Okay, just no, checking. No, we were we were at university in the seventies. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So cone like a I pine just... cone, then type thing. Yes, yeah, okay, about juniper cone. Okay, yeah. good. So fifty percent of them has to be juniper cone. Juniper cones, yep. And then the rest can be any old and stuff. And then uh, pretty much all gins around the world now use coriander seed as the other one main ingredient, oh. and angelica root. Oh, okay. Um, and then some gins use what a thing called orris root, which is a flavour fixer. Um, not all of them use it, yep. but we use it because we want longevity in our, in our gin. Yeah, and I'm not just saying this to be nice, but I've tasted your gin and it's remarkably beautifully flavoured compared to other gins I've also tasted. And so you must do something a bit different then with your, have you got a different special recipe? One of our real focuses has been working with local horticulturists. Right. So let's go back to our values to make it together. So I've been working with local growers to grow our botanical here in New Zealand. So the Angelica root has been grown here in Taranaki. Yeah, um, by my brother. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, and Kaitaki Farm. Kaitaki Farm, yeah. Okay. yeah. Toby Ryan, yeah. yeah. Our orris root's grown on the east coast. Our coriander seed comes from the Wairarapa. And what we've seen when we work with Massey University looking at these botanicals or these ingredients, so they're really high in volatile oils. Yeah, their flavour profile is exceptional. Yeah. So it brings a real lift to the gin. And we've shared that work with um, Distilled Spirits Aotearoa, which yeah. is a peak body for all of these little distilleries in New Zealand, and with other distilleries as well to say, here are botanicals that are grown locally. You know, that's sustainable. That's helping our horticulturalists and the botanicals themselves taste Amazing. Yeah. Mm. We want to grow a gin community or a spirits community in New Zealand 
That is a world class. We want people, you know, if someone's overseas, say, living in in the States or in England, and they say, hey, I've got a New Zealand gin, I want their friends to be a wee bit jealous and wanting to be getting nice. in on that action. Mm. Yeah. You talked about the, the fact that there are other distilled spirits in New Zealand, which are, there aren't that many, though, are there? I mean, there there's are. the whiskey well, place down in Cadrona. That's the only one I can think of. So when we started, um, 2015, there were 13 distilleries in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Now there's well over 100 and growing at an almost exponential rate. So it's growing like the craft beer industry. Yeah. It's interesting because there was the wine industry which exploded, then craft beer which has exploded, and now it sounds like gin and other yep. distilled spirits. Yeah, well, as you say, there's um, there's whiskey down in Harwara, I think now. Oh, really? There's rum in Okura. There's yes. another gin, gin in Fenton Street. Yeah. Stratford. In Stratford. Plus you've got all of the other distilleries that are doing things. There's an absence distillery as well. Really? So there's all sorts of things happening around New Zealand now. It's quite exciting. Is that in, your, is that in the retirement village as well? Because that's... <laughs> <laughs> so in 2000... We are growing some wormwood. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Gosh. So in 2017, a few um, gin distillers got together and said, we should set up a bit of a club or a interested body. And then we looked at that and went, actually, we should make that bigger and really reflect our growing industry because the spirits industry in New Zealand really is in its infancy, it's brand new. It's a baby industry. So we've established Distilled Spirits Aotearoa, yeah. and we've got some, you know, fabulous committee members from other brands, including liqueurs and whiskies and gins. Hmm. Juno's currently the chair, but, you know, that'll be open up for election probably oh, next that's year. that's fantastic. Mm. It's so quite collegial. Yeah, we are. Well, we are. We need to work together. Um, there's things like um, New Zealand has no definition, legal definition for the spirits. So we want we lobby the government to help us right. get that in place, so that we can make sure that we're working on an even playing field globally. Right. And Otherwise, uh, imports can come in and claim something that yeah, trade yeah. tariff agreements. Right. Um, yeah. So the things like FTAs. hazardous free trade agreements. Yes. Nice. Oh, tech. Oh, oh tech. I knew what FTA stood for. Because um, things what? like hazardous materials handling, because yeah. of course alcohol is flammable and explosive, so right. there are risks there. The labeling um, requirements would be labeling quite tricky. Labeling requirements. Actually, career. career. Yeah. yeah. So, qualifications framework. This is such a new industry. We don't have any training programs. We've got no qualifications. Yeah. There's nothing for a New Zealand worker in a distillery to say. Well, you can be a distillery elf. Apparently. You can yes, you can. Be an you can be elf. a gin soak, apparently. <laughs> oh, that would be the gin, yes. That says you, is it? Um, <laughs> interestingly, my mother always used to say, don't drink gin, it makes you cry. Yeah, true. Such Does a it? lie. Is it? Mm. Life makes you cry. Oh. Alcohol can exacerbate that. Oh, I see. But the gin makes you cry story. Marketing propaganda campaign from the 1600s. Set up by the anti-gin movement. You got yes, it. it Temperance movement. Beer makers. Oh, beer makers. Beer makers. Those yeah. bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Says he wearing a shining pink T-shirt. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not proud of Sonny because you didn't bring me a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> I'll say no that the botanicals, you know, that when you make them, the distillery, it can pick up other flavours too. You, you've got to be quite careful when you make gin that you don't end up having like a bowl of curry nearby or a Correct. particularly yeah. strong aftershave on that day or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can pick up all sorts of things. That actually is really key for having a food-grade building and one that hasn't been used for small engine work, you know, diesel mm. and petrol. I mean, we don't want those flavours in our gin. Really? You would get that through the gin if you... It is possible. You can do it, but it permeates through, yeah. The other, thing, the other critical ingredient is the water. Yeah. So um, when they talk about alcohol, they talk about ABV, which is alcohol by volume, percentage ABV. If you're in America, it's percentage or proof. They call right. it proof. But effectively, 50% ABV is 100 proof. 
Right. So it's just double whatever double, the right. ABV is. Thank you. Um, I'm learning. Good. Isn't it an educational I could be an elf. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so you're putting in, we bottle our gin at 40% ABV. So that means 60% of the volume is water. And what the water has in it is really critical to the flavour profile that you get in your gin. And does Taranaki have good water? Um, Taranaki has really interesting water yeah. because we're a volcano mm. and we've, we've had, you know, all of that eruption history. Mm. Actually, we have quite high iron presence in our aquifers. Oh, good. So actually we need to de-ionise oh, no, our water. Oh, bad Okay, bad. So I was yeah. you could charge more. Well, well, it's an energy drink. For a and gin where you've got um, charged particles, because, you know, we talked about alcohol being soluble, right. uh, you know, things dissolving in alcohol and things dissolving in water. The reason they do is because they carry a charge. So if you put something in the water, which is there's something in the water which has an equal opposite charge, then right. they attract. Right. And so they, they come out of a solution. So you lose the flavour profile. I see. But we're just playing with actually making some vodka at the moment and we're about to launch our Vesta Vodka brand. Are you doing that because it's nearly Christmas and you're quite excited by the idea of having something different than gin? Oh, uh. actually, I'm, I've never been a vodka person, but actually distilling our own with, um, we've been using some ozone coffee beans. Okay. Mm. Making the most amazing espresso martinis, gosh. Yeah, they asked us yeah. if we could um, come up with a vodka that would boost their espresso martinis. So it took us a while working with Paul, yeah. the roaster at Ozone Coffee, to come up with a green, a bean. I think you've you obviously very popular people back in the social scene here now, I'd imagine. Everyone's inviting we you around. We never go out. We never go out. Oh, we really? never go out. Because no, why would you when you've got a still at home? <laughs> do what you want. Well, it's interesting about New Zealand too because you don't need a licence to have a still at home here in this country. Oh, okay. So you as can long have... as you're not giving away, selling or um if it's For personal consumption, that's fine. Personal. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't know that. Now, I want to go back to junipers because I heard this story that when you first started, of course, 50% of the botanicals have to be junipers. Did you know that, by the way? Mm. But, you know, that means you've got to have a lot of juniper berries or cones. True. Where do you find them? Never seen one. I don't have one in my garden. Well, you you might might do if you've got an old garden, old established garden. Yeah. So junipers... Communist is a really widespread, freely growing. You said juniper is a communist. Juniper is a communist. <laughs> juniper commun. Ah, juniper is communion. All right. Juniper is one of the Roman communist. emperors, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a tree that that is widespread in the northern hemisphere, but doesn't naturally occur in the southern hemisphere. Oh, okay. So all of these gin distilleries are importing their juniper from the northern hemisphere. That's not particularly sustainable. Let's think about how we could think about this differently. And we know that Cedar Lodge here in Taranaki imported Juniperus communis back in the 1970s. It's a tree that lives to about 120 years old. So there's bound to be some trees that are around that are about 50 years old. So we started a big social media campaign the Great mm. New Zealand Juniper Hunt, great. which is a great deal of fun. Yeah, we got funding from Tapawairoa, which is great, to send out the media campaign and uh, Agmart funding to do the work with Massey. Because if you get the wrong tree, the cones can be quite poisonous. Oh, which is small problem. Self-limiting for you yeah, guys, really. Yeah. Yes, you don't want to be doing that. So uh, part of the work was around how do we do genetic assaying to... Oh, if only if you had a geneticist working only, for you. If oh, only gosh. we had a geneticist. Yes, <laughs> one I prepared First earlier. degree. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see how this all comes together now. And so how did the great juniper, New Zealand juniper hunt go? Did you find lots of juniper? Yeah. When, when? Yeah, yeah, we found 39 trees, definite trees, and then another one's come on board since we closed off the hunt. And the funny thing is it's a dioecious tree, so you need a 
male and a female tree to make the little seed cones that are used to make gin and yep. also used in sauerkraut and salami, etc. And we found a girl tree just down the road in Egmont Village. A female. Yeah. Yep. George, you call them, you've got names for everything. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Lola, Georgina, <laughs> Willie. Um, some boys down in Christchurch Botanic Gardens, a girl in Nelson. A couple um, of trees which we don't know the sex of in Hamilton. So they're all over the place. And so how do you cross-pollinate then? Do you have to, like, go down and... We've got a master's student at Massey who's yeah. doing her thesis in propagation of juniper. Mm. So for this whole industry and also looking at some of the antiseptic qualities of juniper as well. So there's a whole other application which is not just gin-based. It's extraordinary. Right. When, you, uh, when you start looking around Taranaki, so there's a tissue culture lab here in Taranaki. Yeah. So we're working with them. On so culturing the, on the, the juniper culture. to sex them, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, to grow them. So grow them. Oh. when you propagate them from a cutting, they take years, a couple right. of years, to get to a point where you can plant them. And then it takes a few more years for them to get to a point where you can start to harvest. Right. So we're hoping through tissue culture we can either get more trees at the same two and a half years right. or more trees at a less period of time. Right. And so how would someone recognise a juniper tree? Get In case there are people listening now that want to go out and check in their gardens. So they're, they're trifoliate on the limbs. So the, the leaves, they don't have a depression point that comes down to the stem where they right. join. They come down and they spread out like a... Oh, okay. So the leaf is shaped a bit like a sword, so just a sword blade. Right. But instead of having a handle, the sword blade is stuck straight into the so tree. So they don't have a stem on they the, don't on have the a leaf. Stem. They just, the leaf goes straight into the tree. That would yep. be unusual. Yep. yep. And, and they're normally in groups of three around the stem. Right. They have a white line underneath them. It's yep. a and pale blue-green colour, basically, with a little white line. And so they're prickly like a gorse. Oh, yuck. Yeah. So the colour's a little bit like a pale rosemary. Right. So like a rosemary bush, but pointy like a gorse. And mm. they smell like your nana after a big night out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do they smell at all of gin? Uh, if you crush the leaves or break the Great. stem or crush yeah, open yeah. the berry, it smells like gin. Nice. And there yeah. are now, you know, 40 trees around the country. And two of them had cones on them, fertilised cones on them. Fair it's really nice. interesting because one of the one of them obviously, well, by bizarre coincidence, was on Massey campus and it had these fertile cones. And the, so the students did a big survey around the campus to see where the male was Yeah, because they wouldn't pollinate and they couldn't find one. We're wondering whether we've got a hermaphrodite tree. God. Which is brilliant. No, that's okay these days, particularly in universities. That's fine. We're Precisely. accepting all types of juniper trees. Yeah. So when we actually analysed the volatile oil content in the tree, in those berries, they were quite high yeah. um, compared to the global high. standards. Golly, you might so, be onto something, a whole new strain. Of- we are. We're now uh, just starting another branch of research around um, quantitatively and qualitatively trying to describe what's in the New Zealand growing cones. And are you making gin from these New Zealand berries now? Do, we haven't yet. got enough yet. All right. Uh, when we go full noise, we'll be using well over a ton of berries a year. Ah, oh, okay. Right. So they're so not going to get that off one tree from Messi. No, no. They're a bit lazy sometimes, those Messi trees. <laughs> Now, let's talk a little bit more about the business because it's been, you remarkably, you set up in 2017, I think, and in 2019, you won a prize, like a, a gold medal at the New Zealand Spirit Awards. That's two years yeah. after you started. Remarkable. Yeah, we've won two gold medals at the New Zealand Spirit Awards. Oh, really? Yeah, one in 2019 and one in 2020. Oh, I bet you're very popular around there and when you turn up. double gold at San Francisco International Spirits Competition in 2018. Congratulations. Yeah. That's a year after you started. Absolutely. Yeah. That's remarkable. It is, actually. It's a- what do you attribute that to? 
gifted people. <laughs> I have no idea. I like to thank the team. Oh, hang yeah. on, there's just the two of us. No, there's so <laughs> no, no, much no. more than that. There's no. a massive team that but, supports us. Oh, so oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to name drop. So Strategy Collective, Rivet, Wells Electrical, Think Water, our growers. I mean, let's not forget the growers. Mm. If they didn't grow the botanicals, we wouldn't have the gin that's so extraordinary. And obviously VT, uh, New Plymouth District Council, they've right from when we went and saw them and said, hey, we want to set up a distillery, they sort of went, oh. No, they went, yay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a case manager because we're going to have like seven or eight different departments that are going to be all over this and we want to be. So the case manager organised those all those different people from different parts of council. We pitched the proposal and they said, okay, here's the bits of legislation that relate to what you're wanting to do. Let's work together. Mm. And we're like, yes. Oh, that's fantastic. We're lucky because um, the petrochemical industry, so the province is used to dealing with albeit methanol and not yeah. ethanol, but they understand the principles of all the health and safety and, right. and things. And then we have a, a really incredible skill base around engineering just because, again, the oil and gas industry. Right. So you've got all the ingredients here, right here in Tananaki. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we brought to this was not wanting to build a business just for us. It was all along about what can we do to repay our free education. I know we laughed about that yeah. at the start, but actually it's a really big deal. And kids these days don't get that, and I kind of mind, mm. actually. Kids these That's my days. little political No, bit. good on you. Good on you. You are paying um, it back. So, yeah, we are. We're here to pay it back. And we're going, what can we do for Taranaki that's going to be amazing and interesting and fun? Well, it certainly leaves a bit of a legacy. Things. That's great. Now, we've neglected, I've neglected to talk about the name, Juno. Hmm. It's a great name. What does Juno mean? Who who is was? Oh, you've got your juniper. So yeah, it's a bit so of a play nice. on that. That's very good. That's what I thought. Yes, but she's also the Roman goddess of marriage and domestic harmony. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so it could be a little bit coy and say, you know, married couple, da da da, no. working together, or you could say. Household with gin is a happy household. Oh, it sounds like a bit oh, of wishful thinking, though. Do too. <laughs> Please, let's call it Juno, and then hopefully we can get on a bit. And yeah. actually, that's a bit about our business name as well, because we are begin distilling or yeah. begin distilling. Ah. And hmm. and I've got to say, the first time we ran our big still, it was like, "Please be gin." Oh, it wasn't though. It was very. I didn't taste it, but it smelled very much like dog poo. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we yeah. started from a very, very low base. From dog poo and then 18 months later, wherever it was, you were winning gold medals. So you've obviously done something right, including removing the dog poo. It's, we have uh, books th- and books of recipes that we've been trying. and So we do a lot of research. We have yeah. a third still called Jenny. Right. And we're getting close to 500 distillations on her now. So we just play around with flavours. So you know how to use it. We play around yeah. with how to um, present the botanical material in a way that will work. Like uh, tangelos, they're quite large. Yeah. Um, so we had to chop them into pieces because you only get a very small residence time of the vapour passing by the material yeah. to extract out the best bits of it. Yeah. So we had to chop up the tangelo, and we found that if you chop it certain ways, it changes the flavour, wow. and it's reproducibly changed. So every time you chop it that way, you'll get a different flavour profile. That's trial and error right there. Yeah. 10 o'clock's tasting time. I'll be yeah. there. Oh, yeah. 10 a.m.? <laughs> Well, it's Jeepers. the best time to taste buds. Nice. Yes, there's about one o'clock, is it? <laughs> That's fantastic. I've got an idea for you. Look, what about freshly mown grass? Yeah. What would be that be Herbaceous, like? probably. Mm. Love that. I love because you've just mowed the lawns and you just get that lovely smell. There you go. That's a free one for you. Thank you. I'll have a bottle when you make it, though. That'll be great. <laughs> what about the setbacks? I mean, you've, we've talked a lot about success, but there must have been some real challenges along the way. 
Our initial launch date, I've got to say, is really interesting. When we first got going, we wanted as much local supply as we could. And when we looked at our packaging, the glass bottle, we spoke to a a New Zealand glass bottle manufacturer and they couldn't really produce something that was going to be what we wanted to describe a premium gin. Mm. So we've had to go offshore and we've actually get our bottles made in France and printed with organic inks. And when we did the design work, we got a quote back from them. And then when they actually went to make it, actually it was too difficult. So instead of being able to launch in November 2016, which is what we were hoping for, we had to delay until the middle of 2017. So there was this little moment of despair over that Christmas going, wow, we don't have packaging, we've missed the summer, you know, and we um, we got challenged in cash flow. We were down to the last uh, $2 in our wow. bank account Yeah, yep. right at the very end. Actually, one of the um, strengths of being the pair of us working together is, you know, everyone has those emotional roller coaster moments where you have a bit of a dip, but the other one's usually on a different yeah. point of the roller coaster, <laughs> so it all works out. That Christmas, we were both on the dip, and oh. it was like, actually, this is a really tough time. Is this now when we walk away from the business? Have we done the right thing? Yeah. Mm. So it was a good five-day kind of between Christmas and New Year going, whoa, what have we done? And then, mm. yeah, we, we both went, no, let's stick with it. We can see that this will work, but it's just going to be hard for the next four months. Just put in yeah. the work. And yeah. then, obviously, COVID. We lost all of our retail outlets, our yeah. hospitality. I mean, we were like everybody else in the in the country. Yeah. Thank goodness for the wages subsidy. Yeah. So do you sell into hospitality and, and into food services, well, into restaurants? Well, we have a distributor, a yeah. local uh, nationwide distributor, Thirsty Camel. Right. There's a bit of advertising. Yeah, good. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so during lockdown, obviously, that whole cha- that channel yep. disappears. And, and yep. duty-free. So really the only thing that sustained us through lockdown was we're an essential business. Right. So uh, we had our website sales that were going on. Oh, Plus okay. we online orders. We started making hand sanitizer for the local market around here in New, around for the, New Plymouth. For the mainly for the pharmacy guild. Yeah. They were absolutely strapped. They just could not get hand sanitizer. Yeah. So they approached us. It's not something that we were interested in doing. But they came to us and said, "Look, we're not going to be able to work as pharmacists during lockdown without the hand sanitizer, and we can't get any." Right. So this was actually mm. a moment when Distilled Spirits Aotearoa really stepped up. So the chair went and did all of the legal aspects because, of course, hand sanitizer is a topical medicine. So, you know, we're a food manufacturer, not a medicine manufacturer. Yeah, so there was some setting. legislation there. Um, there was also translating the World Health Organization formula into something that can be measured and weighed, et cetera. So Dave did that work. We needed a material safety data sheet, so another member of Distilled Spirits Aotearoa wrote up the... MSDS. Right. And between us all, and then there was finding packaging suppliers and also the chemical suppliers because you use things like glycerol. Peroxide, hydrogen peroxide. So we all just worked together and shared our information across all of the distilleries so that those that had the capacity could do that Hmm. and provide that. And you managed to get that out to the local market here? It took us about... 10 days to get it all through. Yeah. Which get is approvals. unbelievably it quick. It is incredible. The government moved pivot. fast. Yeah. yeah. And then we just we just sold it at cost. So we oh, didn't. Oh, good on you. Yeah. yeah. 
That's awesome. Is it not something you're continuing to do? Do you not see a future market? We have some stock left still, mm. but let's hope that we don't need that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Good on. No, so put Leela back to her purpose. Oh, we that didn't, she, we didn't use Leela? any of the gin-making equipment to make sanitizer. I mean, like, they're completely different products. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It was just the, no al- crossover. the alcohol. Good on you. Yeah. Mm. Tell me about what your future looks like. Where are you headed? So we were the lucky recipients of a PGF loan. Oh, good one. Thank you, government. So we're expanding our distillery now, pushing out sideways to increase our manufacturing footprint by double again. Oh, wow. And that'll allow us to separate our wet floor from our packaging and raw materials. And, and Not that the floor is ever wet. At no, it's just the name. Oh, yeah, yeah. I Sorry. get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a dry floor. It's a dry floor, but it's called a wet floor. It's called and it's a dry, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a dry place. But it's dry, it's dry energy, but it's full of alcohol. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have contradictions, you two. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, so you're going to um, expand and you're hiring someone you were saying earlier? Yeah, we're going to build a cellar door staff. as well. Oh, beautiful. Um, so, and get an on-license. The council's happy for us to get an on-license for there, so. You're not still based at Mangori Road, are you? Uh, no, over oh, in West Town. Town. Oh, okay. Up by the base hospital. So you become a bit of a tourist attraction then. That's Actually, it's idea. been quite yeah. charming. So people rock up and there we are, you know, in our office on a Zoom call to Singapore and someone pops in and says, hey, I'd love to buy a bottle of gin. And, it's, and so it's this beautiful... People who pop in get a very real experience of, mm. I can't quite focus on you right now, but I'm, I'll am i do what I can. Mm. So, you know, bringing that more special customer focus by having that separation of being on the phone to Singapore yeah. versus yeah. selling yeah. a um, We deliberately made a call not to put a cellar door in when we first started up. Right. Because we wanted to focus on developing the the distribution market and the need. Right. And the brand and the flavour and the and, the, and our horticulturalists. Yeah. 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 Oh, good on you. But now that now there's the time and you can think you could add something to the fabric of New Plymouth by having a Absolutely. How much fun would that be? Yeah. What I am I gonna do on a wet day? That's great. So it sounds like you've got lots of opportunities in the future there. Lots of and mm. you've gone and going into vodka you mentioned earlier or potentially yep. Yes, so we're actually working with a local freshwater supplier, so Tataramaika, um, mm. the Katao, Katao water. Right. And it brings this amazing creamy structure to the vodka, which is absolutely beautiful. Mm. So working with um, local mixologists to start thinking about, you know, which water to use to bring up the best in the vodka. You sound like you two are having a great time. Hmm. Oh, it is an enormous amount like of fun. Awesome fun. You get to work with your best mate and you make alcohol and then just play. <laughs> sounds awesome. But, and that was one of the values, wasn't it? Have fun. Mm. Absolutely. No, it sounds fun and easy, and order, but setting up a business is not for the faint-hearted. Yeah. There's a fair amount involved. Three years of seven days a week, usually a 10 to 12-hour day or yeah. longer, and yeah. you sort of go, actually... It's definitely time to bring on team members and to start taking at least one day a week off. Good mm. on you. Well, I hope yeah. it's successful and I hope you can kick back and grab yourself a G&T. Mm. Oh, actually, what's your favourite mixer? I should ask that. Uh, my favourite mixer is actually walking on Taranaki Monga, oh. but not drinking, oh, just okay. walking. Right. But if I was going to put it with a mixer, Juno and Fever Tree Mediterranean, beautiful. Right. If you're stuck and all you've got is your sweeps in the cupboard, add extra lime. And you'll be fine. There you go. Mm. You heard it here. Yeah. I'm actually not really a gin drinker. <laughs> <laughs> I've converted it. Yeah. Oh, sort of tentatively. Yeah. Um, so we've got a barrel-aged gin that's sort of my pseudo whiskey. Yeah. Right. A little bit and stronger, a little bit full of body. A bit of woody and things oh, like that, okay. yeah. And, and Dave drinks his gin usually on the rocks. And, mm. and we have created sipping gins. They are beautiful, neat. 
You don't Fantastic. need to add a mixer. Mm. Oh, I look forward to trying them all at some point, and thank you so much. Now, I've got 10 quick-fire questions to finish this off, okay? Mm-hmm. Go for your life. And, uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see which one of you answers. Best place to get an ice cream? Liberty. Ooh. Oh, Little Liberty Creamery or Pew Pew Real Fruit Ice Cream. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Best surf spot in Taranaki? Well, we're body surfers, so typically we go down to Fitzroy Beach. Good on you. Fitzroy. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, best late night location in Taranaki? I do like Stug, I've got to mm. say. Mm. That's the one. Yeah, I've been there. It's Yesterday nice. we got fish and chips and went down and sat at Back Beach and watched the starlings go out to the island. Oh, look at you so, too. How mantic. Oh, we did it with the kids as well. It was the summer solstice. It was the summer solstice. Oh, it was too. They had the, yeah. the, the stars joined together. What's the best lunchtime activity in the region? Sipping gin at your place, by the sound of it. Actually, ten at, was it 10 a.m.? Oh, oh. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, it's my half hour with my book and ignore the world. Oh, that's nice. Ignore the world slash my husband. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Best beach? Mm, Fitzroy, I think. Fitzroy. Oh, actually, uh, as a family, we used to spend a lot of time at Morco. Oh, okay. uh, we, had, we had a section up there. Yeah. Um, it's so, not for the faint-hearted. No, it's not. <laughs> body surfers, though. There you go. You, oh, it's hard to body surf there. You, um, you grind up onto crashy. the... Uh, Sand quite a lot. Yeah. But there's some lovely beaches all up there. Um, we used to get a dinghy and go across the Awakino River. Yeah. And we used to call it the fence line, and that's a fantastic beach up along there. If you were going up the mountain, would you go the north side or the south side or the ranges? We've been exploring bit? the ranges of late. Yeah. Uh, but typically we're north siders. Okay. I don't want to make a thing of it, but it's fine. Each to their own. What's your favourite summit or peak or maunga in the area? Taranaki. Yeah. It's hard so, to go past, isn't it? And Paratutu. Yeah? You know, a quick dash up Paratutu, awesome views. A quick dash? Quick dash. Like you know? Straight up yeah. 50 metres, isn't it? My <laughs> God. Best annual event? We enjoyed WOMAD. Yeah. Yeah, actually, WOMAD, okay. awesome. Sad about that. Loved yeah. serving Juno at WOMAD. Loved listening to the bands. Just, yeah. Good on you. Okay, what's one myth you'd like to bust about Taranaki? Hmm. Oh, Actually, it's a method support. We are too far away. Don't come here. You don't want more people. It's so lovely here without you all. Stay home. No, actually, mm. that is the myth that I would bust. Yeah. This place is not boring and it's not too far away. Good on you. And finally, one word to sum up Taranaki. Awesome. Mm. Awesome and mm. Nice. Thank you both, Dave and Joe. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here and uh, cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers, cheers to you. Thanks, David. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thanks to Venture Taranaki for making this all happen. I'm sure some of you listening will be guests on this show one day. So if that is you and you have a great idea, make sure you check out Venture Taranaki's Power Up website and get in touch with one of the team. No matter where you're at on your enterprise journey, Venture Taranaki is able to support you and help you power up your idea, your existing enterprise, or your startup. They offer awesome services such as one-on-one startup clinics, mentoring, workshops, business and investment advisor support. This podcast has been proudly produced in Taranaki by Raw Collective. And lastly, please review and subscribe. It helps others find us. Kakite. Kite.